0: You're listening to the St. Mark's Podcast for January 30th, 2022, the fourth Sunday after the Epiphany. Today's sermon was given by the Reverend Elizabeth Garnsey. It's based on 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 13. Well, today I took the opportunity to just offer you a homily. Um, We were making enormous changes at the last minute, and uh, Peter's address is delayed till next week, so you're stuck with my thoughts that are um, kind of thrown together but this is where I I come to the deepest place this morning with these readings and I'm grateful that we can focus in on just the two readings that we have here today because I think they have great pearls of wisdom for us. Um, This gospel, I think it's difficult to really understand it at first pass and taken out of its context of the whole chapter of Luke 4, but we heard last week how Jesus was um, unrolling the scroll of Isaiah and preached the year of Jubilee the time had come and here he's saying these this scripture has been fulfilled in the people's hearing and of course that sounds like great news to all of them and they're delighted to hear it but then he goes on to explain to them uh, these good things from God are not for Israel only and he reminds them that in their own teaching their own God their own uh, scriptures there's the story of elijah and elisha who took the miracles and the message of god to people outside of israel and unless you know that sidon is not part of israel or in that uh, syria was not didn't include israelites Naaman was a foreign leader um, then it's it's easy to miss why the people in the synagogue would be filled with rage and want to throw him out he was telling them that You know they don't get to have a monopoly on god and the favor of god and uh, somehow the way that jesus was teaching them that they were very upset Um, but what 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 i really take from this gospel is more the icon that it is of just the way jesus carries himself in this exchange and the way that he's so measured and so present and he's he doesn't respond to them Uh, he doesn't really react to their reactions and all through his life and teaching Jesus has a way of being single-minded in his purpose and single-minded in his message and because he has this life of prayer this life of contemplative withdrawing from the crowds and spending time with God and grounding himself in the message and the mission that God has for him he's able to go back into the crowd and never respond to them or or um, curate his, his words in response to their approval. Um, you know, he looks for followers but he doesn't look for likes. And in a way, you know, we, we have it the other way around in our time. So I take something from that, that Jesus was, is and was the mystic that a lot of people call him. And speaking of mystics this past week, Thich Nhat Hanh died. And some of you may be familiar with Thich Nhat Hanh as the Vietnamese Buddhist teacher and monk and he was an activist uh, that spoke out vehemently against the Vietnam War and he led a movement in Vietnam that actually got him exiled from his country for 40 years. Both North and South Vietnamese governments uh, banned him from the country because he wanted reconciliation between the two and he wanted uh, the enemies to come together and listen to each other Uh, That was his Buddhist teaching, was that to understand the other's suffering was to come to friendship and to come to reconciliation. And they they couldn't hear that. They were going to hurl him off a cliff. They hurled him out of the country. But he went on to found a great um, monastery, Plum Village in the south of France, where he taught people from all over the world and every kind of background. Um, This past week I listened to an interview he did with Krista Tippett, I'm sure many of you know On Being, the great blog, great podcast that she does. Uh, and she, and she had interviewed him at a conference in Wisconsin in about 2016 or so, I can't remember the year, but um, the conference was organized by a woman who had been a police officer in Wisconsin for 25 years. and She went to Plum Village and met Thich Nhat Hanh and was so taken with his teaching. That she wanted to organize a conference for her fellow police officers in Wisconsin. And she said to one of the nuns at Plum Village, "Um, Would he ever, how could this teaching ever apply to police officers? I mean, I'm so drawn to it, but how on earth can we reconcile? I carry a gun for a living, and what does this teaching have to do with me, even though I really hunger for it? And she said to the woman, Who else would we want carrying guns but the people who can practice mindfulness and compassion, and I thought that was a powerful response. And in, as a result, she set up this conference, and there he was in Wisconsin, where um, Krista Tippett interviewed him. So it's worth it's worth going and listening to. But something that Thich Nhat Hanh ta- taught a lot in his life, to me, comes up today because of our Corinthians reading, and we, we're used to this reading from First Corinthians thirteen as the wedding reading. Um, this is the one we always hear at a wedding, no matter where it is or who's getting married or what their faith background, it often comes up, and rightly so. It's a beautiful poem about love, and there's something in it for everyone, and, um, but that's the context where we're used to hearing it, so it's unusual that we get to hear it in our lectionary uh, once every three years. But um, so it's a good opportunity for us to stop and hear it in a new context. And this new context I would like to offer is uh, I'll begin by sharing with you the four elements of love that Thich Han Hanh taught um, not because I'm elevating him above our teacher Jesus uh, but because he's like Jesus in the sense that he taught mindfulness and Jesus also taught this way he taught Give us our daily bread. Give us what we need just for today. Keep us present today. Jesus taught, do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough trouble of its own. So you know we miss this way of Jesus sometimes because he's so familiar to us in our stories. To me, it's helpful to hear the same teaching from a teacher like Thich Nhat Hanh because it helps me understand Jesus more deeply and more in a, in a fresh way that I think is very, very embedded in our own teaching, but sometimes it gets very crowded out by a lot of things we put upon uh, and around the teaching of, of Jesus, our, our contemplative teacher. So Thich Nhat Hanh taught these four elements of love. The first friendship or loving-kindness, he taught that the first element of love is, is um, not depriving the other of their freedom, and you know, to love you means I respect and I maintain your freedom and in return my freedom, and it's, it's the kind of love that wants to know and understand the passions of the beloved and the things that make that person come alive, and how can you help them further their real true self and not curb their freedom to make them into something that you want them to be. True love is, is maintaining and respecting in a loving, kind way that, that freedom. And the second element of love is like compassion. It's the capacity to understand the other's suffering, and the desire to understand the other's suffering, and to listen for it, and then to help, uh, to help relieve it and remove it. And compassion, as we know, is suffering with um, in this kind of love, it's, uh, it's got a different translation, but English doesn't have a word for it. But it's like compassion. But we don't suffer, we just have to understand the other one's suffering. We have to try to understand the other one's suffering, and then try to find help. And there's no such phrase, that's your problem, in this kind of love. Um, we take on the burdens of each other, as Paul teaches, uh, bear one another's burdens. The third element of love, true love, is joy and cultivating each other's joy and uh, celebrating the joy in each other. And um, you know, not always making each other cry and making each other sad, but finding joy and ways to offer joy. That's true love. True love is, the fourth element is non-discrimination. And this is the most difficult of all. It's the love of equanimity that calls us to love everyone. Uh, and everyone means all the people we hate, um, and all the ideas that we hate, and all the ways and, and being of people that chafe at us and that, whose camp we're not in. Um, to, to love with equanimity is a very high form of love that has to be cultivated. And all of these elements of love need to be cultivated, and they can be cultivated every day. Um, the bedrock teaching that someone like Thich Han offered was first and foremost this idea of deep listening, where we listen to each other in such a deep way that we're not interrupting while they're speaking and unloading their heart, even if it's full of false perceptions and full of um, misstatements or things that aren't true, just to be able to sit and listen and let them pour themselves out is already a step towards love in compassion, where we're giving someone a space to empty themselves and unload. And then later you can come back and correct all their their false perceptions. But the first step is a deep listening. And I think of myself at home, listening to my child and stopping him every time he says something I don't wanna hear. Um, That's not helpful. It's not a safe space for someone to talk if you're constantly interrupting them and correcting and offering help before they're ready. Um, that's a hard thing to do, but imagine um, that that's the start of reconciliation even on the global stage. And that's why it probably never happens, because we do not listen to our enemies and we don't take time to sit down and talk. And so these things all begin within every human heart, and that was the, the four elements of love that were taught by Thich Han. And then we get to our own scriptures and this reading this gorgeous writing by Paul um, about love and of course it's born out of his own experience of being met by Jesus and transformed by Jesus and uh, and loved in this way himself and I think that that's why Paul could write this way about love We read it at weddings because it speaks to that moment, that love story, that context for marriage that's meant for life between two people. Here, I think this reading is for everyone, and it's a reading that belongs in our conversations about love and in our meditations about love, not only as a manual for how to love others, but it's also, to me, a picture of the way that God loves us. So to finish today, I will invite you to, I feel like we're at a retreat, so (laughs) I'm going to invite you to uh, close your eyes if you're comfortable doing that. And hear these verses from 1 Corinthians 13. uh, As the love that envelops you from God, this is the love that God has for you. And think of all the ways that you might resist it because you may not think it's true. But when we understand God loving us this way, we can't do anything else but respond in these ways in our love for others. But first hear it as God loving you. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. Love does not insist on its own way. Love is not irritable or resentful. Love does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. Love never ends. For God's beloved. Amen.